0: This is the Oanda Podcast, brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast. Each week we review and preview the big business and market stories, making the headlines with an Oanda Senior Market Analyst. And this week it's the turn of UK man Craig Earlham. You've been on one of your many holidays, I believe.
1: Yeah, it's great to be back, obviously. Um, last week, I uh, had a bit of a week off. Um, probably... I believe. Yeah, yeah, Devon. Uh, I, I love it down there. And luckily, we had the weather. I mean, that's what you're always relying on in the UK. You're just hoping it doesn't rain. It was actually quite a busy week since you've been back on Monday. Let's
0: reflect on that. What was the outstanding moment for you?
1: It's been all about Powell. Jerome Powell, the Fed Chair, was uh, appearing before the house financial services committee on wednesday the senate banking committee on thursday this is his biannual testimony on the semi-annual monetary policy report it's a three-hour testimony on each day facing questions from politicians it can get quite political so you have to really stay it out and wait for the right questions to pop up when they're actually that's going to be relevant and it not going to be highly politicized which can cover most of it in terms of how we fared, I think investors were a little bit nervous because, as we've mentioned on the podcast before, expectations for this year are extremely aggressive in terms of rate cuts. Two or three rate cuts actually leaning towards three. And then we got that jobs report last Friday, which was a knockout report, exceeded all expectations. And all of a sudden, there was this little bit of nervousness about our expectations too aggressive. So really, Jerome Powell had a really key job this week he needed to lay out enough details for the markets that was going to satisfy them from a dovish perspective. The thing with Powell is that he doesn't really just lay things out too clearly like maybe one or two of his predecessors has. He likes to leave the door open and you have to work out based on how ajar the door is uh, what he means by that. And when he was referring to the outlook he was constantly referring to the downside risks. He referenced the fact that inflation was falling and it was not likely to be temporary. These type of comments were dovish enough for the markets to really latch on so we had a little bit of a rough start to the week in the equity markets we're in this good news is bad news scenario and they bounced back in the middle of the week and now we're back at record highs one well, interesting comment uh he made
0: craig and i know how much you like talking about bitcoin mm. but he actually did compare it uh, to gold which we were talking about just two or three weeks ago this is what he actually said he talked about uh, facebook's planned libra cryptocurrency and he said it could be essentially immediately systematically important which i thought was quite
1: significant as i've said before i don't agree with the comparison to gold in terms of the importance of it, it it could be because this is a something that could be adopted very fast by a very large audience at the end of the day facebook does have an enormous audience so you only need a small portion of that to actually adopt libra as a payment currency and all of a sudden it will take off and it will become very big and then the systemic risk associated with that does mean that it has to have the attention of many central banks including the federal reserve and basically any central bank whose currency is going to be not necessarily backing libra but it's going to be in the basket that it's associated with and valued by this has drawn a lot of attention actually to the cryptocurrency community we actually saw bitcoin fall on the back of this testimony because he also talked about the importance from a regulatory standpoint and how and how long this could take and how complex it is and how they fully need to understand it before they decide how they are going to Manage it. So um, I think this was seen as a, a negative uh, for some reason. I I, I disagree. Um, I I think this is a positive. Regulators taking this Facebook Libra coin seriously, talking about real regulation. This is what is needed for full on adoption. So if I'm a crypto enthusiast, I actually saw this as good news. But Bitcoin actually sold off. I think that was probably to do with the fact that we would risen so much over the last couple of months, risen up to these thirteen thousand dollar levels, and those kind of rapid accelerations. Leaves a market at times a little little overbought and maybe that's what it was So any news that was perceived as in any way negative led to this kind of sell-off But already it found very quick support uh, and we bounced back quite quickly and even now we had Trump commenting uh, on Twitter yesterday evening about Libra and about the crypto community basically saying he doesn't believe in cryptocurrency He's coming at it from a very specific angle in that the US dollar is the world's reserve currency And that's very important to America Um, Uh, and he talks about the dependency of the us dollar versus cryptocurrency which can be used for all sorts of illegal activity as he stated himself uh, and saying basically the us dollar is and always will be the number one very much reaffirming that view that didn't actually get a much of a reaction at all in bitcoin bitcoin fell 500 dollars on the back of that which is a drop in the ocean for bitcoin uh, and it rebounded quite quickly that's quite surprising because trump usually has a much greater impact on these things but again that shows how much support there continually uh, there still is uh for bitcoin in the community i'll be interested to see if that continues because once trump attacks something once he doesn't tend to hold back and he tends to follow that up with repeated attacks if he continues to attack this the leader of the free world the leader the USA it's likely to have some influence in just how uh, stringent they are going to be over there so I'll be interested to see if that resilience holds up because we saw a lot of resilience to Trump's comments and a fair amount of resilience eventually to Powell's comments even though the what I perceive to be good long-term news was perceived to be bad news in the ASM for crypto fans.
0: Hal did come in for a bit of criticism anyway, didn't he? Because uh, a lot of people felt that what he was saying was uh, what President Trump exactly wanted to hear. You know, that cross currents around the world would probably cause the Fed to cut interest rates by a quarter at the end of July. This is what Trump wants, isn't it? And there were a lot of people who were saying, well, he's a bit of a puppet. He's not his own man as much as we thought he was going to be.
1: Well, this is... uh, I would disagree with those people. I think what we have to remember is it was this interference from Trump which led to the policy mistake in December powell and the fed wanting to prove that they are their own people that they are independent they made this policy mistake in december trump was already ramping up the pressure on the central bank to stop raising interest rates and it was almost felt like an act of defiance and then earlier on this year he's been calling for rate cuts for a long time and again the fed has held off as an act of defiance i feel i don't feel like they are making good policy decisions now i don't think they've been making good policy decisions for the last 10 months because they are trying to reassert their independence that can't go on for they can't not cut interest rates forever how bad do things have to get before they cut interest rates now i want to come back full circle because i don't necessarily think an interest rate cut is warranted that said if the fed does then they can't continually put this off and make bad policy decisions just because they don't want to be perceived as independent as not independent i do believe they are independent i believe they've asserted their independence they've shown they're independent but if they believe that they need to cut interest rates they have to be able to do that without fear of being referred to or, or, or criticized as being a puppet of the president and i pre- think they've pretty much shown so far that they're not a puppet of the president the question is now how many do they need because yes their own measure of inflation is falling back to around one and a half percent 1.6 percent on a core basis but we had the cpi data out today uh, and that was actually 2.1 percent on a core basis so that's really at target so that suggests that we've got Decent growth, even though it's going to be subdued in the second quarter because the first quarter was oversized because of inventory building, etc. We've got a very strong labour market, and inflation, I don't think, is too bad at this moment in time. I don't believe three interest rate cuts are warranted this year. They'll probably go through with July because markets have really piled on the pressure. It's not Trump which has pressured them into to do this. It's the markets. The market's pricing at 100% chance of this happening, lowering the effective rate below their current range. It's the market which is forcing the Fed at this point, not Trump. And they are looking at the market and saying, maybe they're right.
0: Staying with the United States, we'll we'll move across the pond in a minute or two, but I I want to ask you about US earnings back in the coming days. What
1: stands out for you? Well, I mean, the, the start of earnings season is always about the banks. So the banks always kick things off. Usually it actually starts on a Friday. It starts on a Monday this year, and I'm not entirely sure why, but it's the banks. It's the JP Morgans, the Goldman Sachs that really kick things off. And That's when we get our initial insight into how the economy has performed effectively in the second quarter, really. We also get the the outlooks for these uh, banks as well. So that will give us a lot more insight as well, especially if the Fed's going to be cutting interest rates. Again, that effectively impacts on their own margins. Um, Overall, we're expecting another quarter of negative earnings growth year on year. So that would mean an earnings recession. The last numbers I saw was forecast was 2.9% contraction in terms of earnings growth for the second quarter now we have to remember at the start of these quarters more often than not if not almost always more pessimistic so that tends to be doesn't necessarily fall in line so we saw something similar in the first quarter and we actually saw only just marginal earnings uh, decline we'll probably see something similar over the course of this quarter but we could still be left in an earnings recession obviously we're not going to see that on the president's twitter account but that is effectively where we are and the question now is how strong are the markets going to be to sustain that because that's going to put additional pressure on the fed to continue to cut interest rates because people will be highlighting the fact that companies earnings are shrinking rather than growing then we have to ask ourselves how strong are the markets because at the moment the markets going to be are being held up and are in record territory because of the fed Trump wants us to believe that it's the markets are in record territory now because of him and the fed is holding them back in reality investors are looking at the fed and if the fed is dovish Markets go into record territory. If they're not, markets drop back. Now we're in a point where the central bank is effectively the only game in town. This could therefore be a tough few weeks, tough month for uh, markets unless the Fed steps up again. Because if we see that disappointing earnings season, then it'll be interesting, I guess, to see how the stocks do respond to that.
0: Let's talk about the vote for European Commission President uh, Ursula von der Leyen, of course the EU leader's pick for that particular job and she needs to win an absolute majority in Parliament in the vote schedule for
1: Tuesday evening in Strasbourg. What do we know about her? honestly very little I know that she was seen as a rising star and someone um, if I'm not mistaken who could replace Angela Merkel potentially one day that seemed to fall by the wayside so maybe this is being seen as the alternative option but like I say I think we probably don't know an enormous amount I think she was actually a surprise nomination but in many people's eyes she's quite conservative the- isn't she she is and the question the real question is, how does it um, impact the UK in terms of Brexit negotiations, and what does it mean for the uh, the the for York going forward? I think, from, from for York going forward, I don't think it makes really any difference from the UK's perspective. That very much depends on whether both uh, potential leaders of the UK are going to stand by their word because she won't actually assume her role until the 1st of November so in order for her to have any actual influence on Brexit we will have to get an extension beyond the 31st of October and nothing in the background
0: I mean it doesn't it's not significant then you think that that she's German and of course possibly less like the French Germany is probably more keen for there to be a deal, uh, but as you said, she's not going to actually assume the presidency until November the first, unless she can do something in the background.
1: Exactly, and um, we have to remember as well that whoever's in charge, they don't set the mandate. The mandates set by everyone else. So who, yeah, who effectively yeah. leads the charge? Yes, they going must to have influence. an influence. They're yeah. going to have influence, but the mandate is set by everyone else. So from that perspective, I'm not sure how much an enormous difference it will actually make in terms of who's getting these top jobs. It's a highly political event. We've obviously got Christine Lagarde, for example, who's going to lead the ECB. That's come up for a lot of criticism because she's effectively a lawyer by trade rather than an economist. And people are suggesting that she's only effectively got the job because there needed to be someone uh, in one of these top jobs who was French. Um, and therefore, this was kind of again this and this is a name that appeared late in the day that wasn't even being discussed initially. I guess we always have to just look at these situations and maybe I think maybe get they get a little bit too much attention shall we say? I don't think this to have any real impact on the negotiations. I think if there's going to be a change of heart from the EU after 31st of October, if there's an extension, I don't think it's going to come from her. I think it's going to come from the EU27 who are going to decide we actually now want to get this over and done with. We don't want a no deal. Let's try and find a solution, but we'll see.
0: Let's talk about uh, UK data. Plenty of that coming up in the week. We've got retail sales, inflation and unemployment. That would be, I suppose, significant in terms of of potential rate cuts coming up in the next few months.
1: From a UK perspective, it was looking a bit stable. At one point it seemed that from a markets pricing perspective we weren't seeing rate cuts or rate hikes being priced in. That's kind of changed in the last week or two. We're actually seeing cuts now being more priced in. Still uh, over the next year, the probability of no change is still greater than the probability of a change, but the pricing has shifted towards cuts which suggests that the uk is expected to fall in line i always think we should have the caveat to this is uh, of people are pricing in higher probabilities of no deal even though i still truly believe that no deal will not happen but then again as we've highlighted on the show before there's a few things which i believe which haven't come true so uh, maybe this is the latest thing that i will be wrong about
0: you can be sure that i'll mention it
1: oh I okay. oh yeah. absolutely well, there's one thing that you can always guarantee in this game you'll never get patted on the back for being right but you'll certainly be reminded <laughs> for being wrong um <laughs> yeah the the uk data is still very good in many senses so it, and it's very similar to the us actually if you if you look at it this way the unemployment data is solid but the pmis the manufacturing the services pmis last week were very weak the inflation data is still pretty solid here so again not negating some of the need for an actual interest rate cut retail sales are a little bit soft again similar to the us it's kind of a mixed bag in many ways But again, it's the Brexit Uncertainty which really creates that enormous cloud of uncertainty around everything because ultimately it's affecting business investment. It is affecting some kinds of consumer activity. And until people really know what we're actually facing here, it's going to be very difficult for the economy to move on and either fall in line with the rest of the world or actually um, outperform it.
0: Okay, Craig, thanks very much. Have a very good weekend. Thank you.